But anyway, uh, I'm going to be tonight, I'm going to talk to you about God's beware signs. Beware signs. Um, some of the most common warning signs that you ever see are signs that say beware. Now, what's, that's probably the most common one you think of with that word. What is it? Beware of the dog, beware of the dog right? And uh, caveat canis, if you want to say it in Latin. But beware of the dog. And so what do you do? You, you watch out for the dog. Send in your soul winning partner first. Um, and one of the most common signs is the word beware. Um, it means to give heed. That's what it means. It means to pay attention. Exercise caution. And tonight we have a thoroughly biblical message about God's beware signs that He's planted along the pathway of our life. God literally has beware signs put up through His Word in, in throughout uh, uh, as we go down through our life. Uh, he wants us to beware. And, and think of it this way. Be aware. Beware. Be aware. You're going in. Be aware of this. Don't walk into it. Be aware. Be careful of this. Don't, 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 don't get caught by this. And then what and where we're supposed to be aware of. So we're going to go, and what we're going to do is we're going to follow a Bible path and starting in Matthew. And so as we're going through, all except possibly one time, you're going to keep moving from in the Bible from Matthew heading towards Revelation. And we're going to see what God said that we, when we're supposed to beware. Isn't it amazing that God used that actual term in the Bible? And He said, beware of this. Hey, 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 my children, my children. God says, my children that I love, beware of this. Hey, hey, as you're going down through life, as, as a young person, as a teenager, as a young adult, as a middle-aged adult, as a middle-aged adult, as hanging on to middle-aged adult, as got to admit your old adult, and, and whatever stage you're at, beware Hey, beware of these some things along here. And so we're gonna we're gonna learn about some of those things. It'd do us well to pay attention to it, wouldn't it? I remember a soul winning situation I had. There used to be a great dane that lived at the bottom of the hill over here. And uh, Sheila was her name. And truthfully, Sister Sheila, she's taller than you. <laughs> oh yeah. She probably weighed double what you do, I imagine at least. And she had a whole lot more spots on her. So, amen. <laughs> but, but her name was Sheila. And uh, she lived right down here. When you went to the bottom of the hill, you know, where old Main Street kind of goes off down there, it was off to the right. And I was soul winning, going down, the, just took off from the church, just going down over the hill one day. And, and I went in and was going along. And then I had a follow up. I found out where that follow up was because there's a couple, three houses on. Uh, Cedar Hill there as you're, as you're coming that actually have a Main Street address. It's convoluted at that point. And so I found that and I was following up on something. I don't know if any of you remember T.J. Williamson used to be up uh, going a long way back. He was the fellow who would have the Passovers. Uh, we went up to one at, as a church and he would be with us. That's going back. He's been, he's been home with the Lord a long time now. But um, anyway, he had met this person on a job site. and So I was working my way down there and I had this address and I went in and I walked up to this door, knocked on the door, the person comes to the door and I'm going to ask for this certain individual. And they said, come in quick, come in quick. And I thought, okay, that's not the usual response. So I stepped inside and they said, how'd you get here? I said, I walked. What do you mean you walked? Cut across, right across that way. And they said, oh my goodness. And about then, Sheila, big great day, comes around the corner of the house. And I said, oh. <laughs> Sheila's on a logging chain you could have kept a grizzly bear at home with. And uh, here was the thing about Sheila. Once you're in the house, she loved you. But the owner told me, he said, if she'd come around on you and you were within chain reach, that would not have ended well. And I said, yeah, I'd hate to have killed your dog. <laughs> Stick about half my torso down its throat and choke it to death. But... Uh, <laughs> But I still remember that visit because it, it was funny. Sheila liked to play and we were in the house. And their other dog was a little dachshund. And Sheila got played and literally could jump from one end of the living room to the other, just boom, boom, and hit. And it was jumping back and forth and the owner was like, quit, Sheila, quit. And I, didn't, I was getting riled up. I didn't know because Sheila was laying on her belly there. And I was sitting on the couch talking. We got in a good conversation about the gospel and such. And Sheila would look at whoever was talking. She'd look. This one's talking. 
this one get tongues? She'd just look at them. And then I started talking, and honest to goodness, she just laid her head back. And her muzzle's right here. I mean, it's like, I should. And uh, she was a great dog. But then I got romping with her. I didn't mean to wind her up. I thought she was going to tear the house apart. And honest to goodness, that poor little dachshund went down and put his paws like this and almost screamed because she was just young. She'd land on it. She'd have killed it, yeah? And I uh, went in there. You know what they needed in their yard? If I would guess? Beware of dog sign, right? And some people have beware of dogs, you know, and they come out, yep, 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 yep. But this one, I mean, this thing could eat you. Now, God's put some beware signs out there. And listen to me. I didn't know that dog lived there. I didn't know that dog was around the side of the garage where I couldn't see it. I didn't know I was walking into, literally, they said, as friendly as she is inside, if you walk in on her, it's bad news. And I thought, bad news would be an understatement for the thing that size. Do you know there are some things you don't see? And there's some things I don't see? And there are some things that are not obvious? If I'd been walking up to make that visit, and I'd had, I had a follow-up card on it, if I'd, I'd written some things down, if I'd been going up to make that visit and that old dog had been laying there and had come out to the end of that chain on me and I'd seen her, I guarantee you I'd been looking for a phone number. I'd pulled up a place in Ford and honked my car, you know, hoping they'll come out, that kind of thing. But what about the things you don't see? What about the things you're not aware of? And God's put some beware signs out. Why? Because... <laughs> He doesn't want to see his children get eaten. <laughs> All right? And so he wants, to, uh, he wants to help us out. So let's look at the beware signs as they appear in order in, in the New Testament. And these things, each one's not lengthy. And um, I just want to give you these. These are, these are excellent. Look in Matthew chapter 7. And I say it's excellent because I'm just giving you verses of the Bible. Let's look at the first one. Verse 15. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. What's the first thing it tells us to beware of? First thing we're in. False prophets. But not only false prophets, look in verse 15, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. A ravening wolf is one that's just, just bloodthirsty even beyond its hunger that is very destructive. And they, that's what they are inside, but on the outside they come to you in sheep's clothing. They come with an appearance of being of God. With an appearance of wanting to teach you the Bible. But they're ravening wolves. What they'll do is devour you. And you have to watch them. You have to watch what's going on. And the first thing we run into if we come through the New Testament in order, the first beware sign that God puts out there along our pathway is beware of false prophets. Something really wild. I just read it this afternoon. I thought it was interesting. Um, there is a bug. I wish I remember the name of the bug. There is a bug that likes to eat termites. That's a good thing. That's something you probably want to raise. But it's funny, it, what it does is after it kills a dirt termite, it sucks its innards out and then crawls into kind of the shell of the termite or the, the, the outer form of it and sneaks up on other termites. I was like, isn't that neat? It's the termite terminator. And it goes after, I forget what it's called, but that, that is a cool bug. And uh, I, I thought that thing was pretty neat. Can I tell you, they put on... They put on clothing like they're sheep, but they're not. And you watch, you can see the tendency. Hey, let me tell you something. Let's take Brother Cox, for example, okay? Say, how do you know he's not, he's not a wolf? Because he doesn't just have cheap clothing on, he's got the heart of a lamb. He's got a love for the shepherd. He's got... 43 years of pastoring experience, 38 where he is now, 43 years of pastoring experience proving that he will put the, the needs of the flock before his own needs. That he'll love God's people. That he'll stick by that book. You can kind of figure that one out, can't you? You know, if you've been watching the same tree for 40 years and it's always producing apples, you can figure out by the fruit it's probably an apple tree. And if somebody for 40 years has been preaching the gospel straight, sticking by the book, serving God's people, never making merchandise out of anybody, guess what? There you have somebody who's a true teacher, not a false prophet. But some of them just put on, they have the appearance. But inside, they're ravening wolves. You can see that. That's, they're kind of avaricious and stuff. So the first one, first beware sign, church. Now, I'm having fun with you with this. 
But I hope you'll take it as seriously as I am having fun with you with this. It's, it's kind of a dark night, kind of cold. I want you to be able to stay awake. I want you to be able to, to get the truth tonight. I want you to put forth the effort to get the truth. I want you to know how valuable it is. Truth is vital in your life. So you put forth effort to get it. I put forth effort to provide it. Listen. First beware of sight. Beware of false prophets. Now, do you reckon that God... You know, some people put up a beware dog sign. Don't have a dog. Anybody ever know that? You know, People say, you know, smile, you're on camera. And there's not a camera anywhere around. Right? Can I tell you something about God? He doesn't do that. When He says beware, it's because it's something you're going to run into. And in a day of communication like we have... All kinds of slick teachers out there. We used to just have to, I said, we talk about preachers, used to just have to warn people, God's people, about being real careful about the radio and TV preachers. Make sure you know who you're listening to. Make sure that you're not getting in one of these you know, deals. There's some good ones, but you got to be careful. Man, today, you know, anybody can start a blog. Anybody can put out a podcast. Anybody can do whatever. Woo! Better know. There's... Are they sticking with that book? You better check things with it. And there's some good ones out there, but you got to be careful with them. So let's see what the second one is. So the first one is to beware of what? False prophets. All right, Matthew chapter 10 has the next one. Matthew chapter 10, let's look at this. Verse 17. What are we to beware of in verse 17? Beware of men. You lady said, I do it! <laughs> well, Lord tried to warn you. Um, Beware men, for they will deliver you up to the councils and they will scourge you in their synagogues. And then he talks about what they'll do and how it's to be used for an opportunity to witness. So what does that mean, beware of men? Um, boy, you're going to need God's grace to do this the right way. Don't, don't put your full weight and trust and hope ever in people. And at the same time, stay close enough to the Lord not to get cynical. Everybody's a crook. No, not everybody's a crook, but there are crooks. Well, everybody lies. Now, uh, that doesn't mean everybody who's talking to you is lying to you all the time. Well, I'll tell you, there are no good people left. That's not true. But the other side of that is, oh, you can trust everybody. That's a bad idea. <laughs> and we've got to have God's wisdom in it. But beware of men. What does that mean? Okay, let's think about the word beware. What does it mean? Does it mean run, scare, get away? No, beware means pay attention, give heed. Pay attention. Pay attention. Do you know that someone can give you bad advice that can hurt you in some area of your life without being malicious towards you? Someone can honestly give you advice that they think is good advice, but it's not. And they can hurt you that way? I'll never forget, Brother Short, the look of disappointment that was on his face. See, and, and Mr. Short made an appointment with me. It's been years ago. And, and he said, Pastor, I want to come and talk to you a little bit. I said, okay, that's unusual. We'll do that. I mean, they talked to him. They usually didn't set appointment. And uh, he said, well, you don't talk about private appointments. You'll see why. I'm not giving anything away here at all. I said, uh, he, he came in, sat down, and put some paperwork down. And I looked at that and I said, what's up, Brother Short? And he goes, we need help with our taxes. And I said, well, I can't help you, Brother Short. I never forget his expression. He goes, what do you mean you can't help us? I said, I can't help you with taxes. And he goes, well, do you teach finances? I said, I don't teach taxes. And he goes, well, you know about taxes. I said, no, I don't. One year I did my own taxes as a pastor. It cost me so much money, I realized I can't afford not to hire somebody. <laughs> Same as with mechanics. It, it's so expensive for me to do it, I can't afford not to hire somebody. I don't care what they're charging hourly, right? But I, I told him, I said, I literally. And he goes, well, what do you do? I said, you ready? Same time every year. Hello, Dr. Value, where are you at right now in the country? Yeah, I'm over at this place, Brother Manning. Back then, I'd mail stuff to him now, okay. I'm emailing you all my stuff. He goes, you're serious? I'm like, and he says, will you look over these? I'm like, he goes, why not? I said, I don't want to hurt you. 
I mean, made him feel better. I could have made something up. He probably spent his last three years in prison. I, I don't. <laughs> Not a good move. So beware. You understand, beware, there are false prophets. You understand that's an evil thing going on. But you also, when you beware of men, you also just want to, is this person, do they have the ability to, to advise me in this area? <laughs> Hire your advisors carefully. I mean, even if you're not paying for them. Pay attention. Can they help? What's going on? Beware of men. Beware of them. And in this context, in the Bible now, it's especially telling us to beware of people who for religious reasons will try to trap you into stuff. And by the way, what it's talking about there being uh, taken up in front of the councils and brought before the law on things, that goes on big time. Brother Cox, they, they had some uh, folks, uh, some sodomite folks came into their church a couple, three years back and tried to provoke people to attack them. They came in trying to provoke them and they were wearing body cameras. They came in trying to instigate something so someone would retaliate so that then they could go and come in soon. See, people, people are being sent into churches to provoke. It is organized and it is purposeful. If you say, oh, that's conspiracy stuff. That's reality, sweetheart. Just, just like the 40 men who took a vow that they wouldn't eat until they killed Paul. Like the Bible says there's conspiracy among men. This isn't some kind of weird thing. I'm not putting aluminum on my hat to keep them from reading my Bible. Okay? It's, I'm talking reality. There is a distinct agenda to destroy Bible-believing churches by certain groups. And so, beware. Beware. Just pay attention. What's the old saying? Pray and keep your powder dry. Amen? I mean, that's, a, that's a good statement right there. That's got to be in the Bible somewhere. Um, Next three points, the next three beware signs. Okay, so we have the first beware. We're supposed to beware of what? False prophets. Then we're supposed to beware of what? Men. And then the next three deal with the word leaven. Now, do as well to understand what this verse means. Listen to this verse. I just read it to you. Galatians chapter 5, verse 9. Listen carefully to what it says. It says, A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. It's kind of funny to me. Because the Bible says, as a saved person, we are a new lump. <laughs> you like that? I mean, new lump. Um, <laughs> a quotation from Winston Churchill I got yesterday. It's funny. He was talking about <laughs> he was talking about the condition of humanity. He, he said that uh, Winston Churchill was not a man who was bashful or lacking in confidence, uh, although he did have his fits of depression. But he said that uh, he said, "I know we may all be worms, but I'm a glowworm." <laughs> that was hilarious. We're lower. But what, what, what's this thing of a lump? We're a new lump. What does that mean? It, it, when it's talking about that, it's talking about like you'd be making bread. Okay? So you'd have your dough. And that lump, it is, it is a, we look like a lump. What it's talking about is something that should be able to be formed and worked. Something that the master should be able to work with. Whether it be a lump of clay, so the potter can work with it, or it be a lump of you know dough or whatever, so the, the 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 baker can work with it. And it says a little leaven, which is yeast. You put it in, what does it do? It goes through the whole thing. So understanding that's what leaven is, and and then these next three beware signs will make a lot of sense. Remember, some things may be obvious, other things you may not know that dog's there. But God's saying beware. God did not put these words, these beware signs in the Bible because these things aren't real. That means you and your children are at some point going to hit paths with the false prophets. That means you and your children are sometimes going to encounter people, men, who can be detrimental to your condition and your faith. Beware. Don't be paranoid. God doesn't have any be paranoid signs. Yes, beware. Alright? So what are these three? Let's look at this. Uh, Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. So our first beware was beware of what? False prophets. Prophet. Second beware was beware of what? Alright, and then in Matthew chapter 16, look quickly in verse 6. There's actually two of them here, and I'm going to deal with each individually. So let's just read all of verse 6. Let's look at it here. It says... Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of whom? Pharisees, Pharisees and whom? Sadducees. Sadducees, okay? So we have 
Beware of the false prophets. Beware of men. And then beware of the Pharisees and Sadducees, which I'm counting as two of the three, each one. Interesting, what is the leaven of the Pharisees? It's defined, and I'll give you the reference. I'm not going to turn you to it. You can look it up later. But it is specifically stated, Jesus said, the leaven of the Pharisees is this. And that reference is in Luke chapter 12 and verse 1. I'm not turning us there. But what he says in that verse is, Beware the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. It's hypocrisy. So, we beware of false prophets, beware of men, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, and according to Jesus' words, the leaven of the Pharisees is what? What is it? Hypocrisy. The idea of the word hypocrisy comes from an old thing that was done on stage and especially starting in the Greek tragedies, as they were called. And it is a mask wearer. A hypocrite is a mask wearer. Oftentimes in these theatrical productions, one person would play more than one part. And part of what they would do is they would put a mask on or they would hold a mask Perhaps the mask would look sad or the mask would look happy or whatever like that, but they would have that mask on. And as they had that mask, what they would be doing is they would be giving an appearance, but it was only a mask. It wasn't who they really were. And they might change different characters throughout the play of the production. But then when the play of production was all over, those actors, actresses, would put down their mask and they would be whoever they were. They were not, uh, they were not uh, that actual person. I remember seeing a little snippet of an interview, I thought it was hilarious, years ago, and I don't know enough about the fellow or anything like that, but a fellow had done a movie about a uh, foreign country where there was a lot of, I just don't want to trigger anything because I have no idea what this was, but he, he was doing a movie about a foreign country where there was a lot of upheaval and a lot of turmoil. And somebody was asking about it, and because I guess the movie was popular, whatever, we're going back probably eight, ten years at least. And I just, this is what I caught. He, he, said, he said, how dumb is this? This was the actor. He said, I have people coming up to me in the street asking me about the politics of that country, about what my opinion is on things. And he says, I just look at him and say, I'm an actor. I'm playing a part. I'm reading my lines. I don't know if I could find the country on the map. What is a hypocrite? It's someone who is a mask wearer. Beware of the leaven. You know what leaven does, don't you? It gets in and goes throughout for days. Be a mask wearer. Church mask. Family mask. Friends mask, social media mask, or are you real? Our God's real. Jesus is truth. So beware of false prophets. Beware of men. Beware of the leaven of Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. And then the leaven of the Sadducees. Now, that's further defined. Matthew 16 there. I'm going to find something to put in so I don't have to keep going back and forth. Matthew chapter 16. Let's look back at it. So we see that the leaven of the Pharisees is what? What did we say the Bible teaches it is? Hypocrisy. Okay, good. You're doing good with your test tonight. But then the Sadducees are also, it's, it's given out. Look in uh, verse 12. And I'm not going to go through everything that happened there. They thought Jesus was scolding them because they didn't bring bread and they were missing the point. But in verse 12, Then understood they how that He bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the what? Doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. The doctrine of the Sadducees is given, detail of it is given in the Bible, that they did not believe there were spirits, they did not believe in the resurrection. In fact, they were against teaching on the resurrection. And so these were classic, what would truly be called theological liberals. They, they went against what the Bible actually says. They denied it. 
Um, first Bible college I attended was technically, theologically, a liberal college. Not just throwing the name out. By technical definition, that's what it was. Modernistic would be another term for this place. And it doesn't exist anymore. But when I went there, they taught us First and Second Peter of non-Petrian authorship. You say, what does that mean? They said Peter didn't write it. And the Bible says he did. They started teaching us that parts of Daniel were not accurate. And there were actually three different authors of it. They said when Joshua and the sun stood still, they said that couldn't possibly happen. They talked about different accounts that might account for what actually happened at the Red Sea, but none of them included God splitting the Red Sea. <laughs> and I couldn't have given all the explanations I can now and wasn't well-versed enough in the Bible. I was well-versed enough to stand against it, but not to explain things as I do now. and hadn't done other studies as much as I have now. But I thought, what is the ultimate folly of someone getting up and saying, here we are, we're a Bible college. And we're going to train preachers. That's what this one was mainly for. And the first thing we're going to teach you in this Bible college to train preachers is that you can't trust your Bible. You know, you don't have to be real smart to know what kind of spirit's behind that. Now that's the Sadducees. Oh, we have the law of Moses, but it doesn't mean what it says. And when it talks about the resurrection, when it talks about God's the God of the living, even those who have already passed away on this earth, that He's still their father. He's the God of Abraham. Abraham's body's dead, but he's not gone. He's, and they just totally blew that away. But here's the thing about it that I want you to get. Not only the particulars of that doctrine are deadly, but I want you to understand the, the leaven of the Sadducees and to the Pharisees also was their doctrine. Was their doctrine. I cannot tell you how many accounts now I've heard of men who have had contact, had to have a conference. We didn't dwell on this, but had two or three different churches mentioned by the men who were visiting here. We were, we were at a breakfast together, and they said, hey, what about, what about such and such church over there? Now, that's not even operating hardly anymore. It's down to nothing about that. They said, why is that? Well, a fellow got in there as a Calvinist, brought that old Calvinist doctrine in and killed it. It's, it's leaven. You say, I don't know what Calvinism is. Good. Awesome. May God keep you that way. But if you do, it's not welcome here. I'll shut it down. Why? We're not having that poison in this place. And, and, and why? It's, it's leaven. Leaven. A friend of mine listened to other podcasts. He sent me, sent me a notice. We made... We've made contact again after many years and he said, I listened to your message on predestination and what you taught out of the Bible. He said, I want to thank you for it. He says, I got tangled up. I didn't even know this. He said, for 15 years, like they destroyed me in that doctrine. And uh, I said, how'd you get there? And he named the name nationally known preacher that's pulling about everybody into it. I'm going to tell you something. That stuff's leaven. Be careful of it. There's some bad doctrine. Say, well, how do I know if doctrine is true or not? If you really want to know this, get in your Bible. Just love your Bible. And start reading it and enjoying it. And if something comes along and someone's got some slick way of explaining it and they can pull this verse and that verse and tie it all together and make some kind, it's called systematic theology, that they can make it all fit in together. But when you're reading it, you're like, that doesn't seem to match the whole body of the Scripture. I may not be able to explain exactly what that one verse there means, but that doesn't match all this. Now, there's two mistakes people make. They either go with the one verse and let it cancel everything, or they say, well, because I don't understand how that fits with this, none of, it, none of it's any good. Well, that's arrogant. Or maybe you just don't understand how it fits. That could be that too, eh? Could be. Could be it does make sense, we just don't catch it yet. Yeah. Just because I couldn't perform brain surgery doesn't mean somebody else can. Because <laughs> I don't understand it doesn't mean somebody else doesn't. And beware! So we beware of what? What's the first one? False prophets. False prophets. Second one? Amen. Men? And then the two together, we beware of the what? Pharisees. And what is the leaven of the Pharisees? Is what? Yeah. Hypocrisy. And then the Sadducees is their doctrine. Okay? And then... Uh, let me go quickly because the last one is beware of trying to keep people past a certain time on Wednesday, okay? And, uh, or something like that. I found it in there. Look at Mark chapter 8. 
Mark chapter 8. Let's find another beware sign. I thought I was fascinated by studying for this, and then when I got studying into it, I found out I was. It's neat. It's like God put these beware signs. Hey, beware of this. Beware of this. And He's not, hey, again, He's not putting them up because there's not a problem there. I mean, it's all of them. Everybody here. Everybody here. Everybody here. Up here. Up here. And here. All of us need these beware signs. I just like that there. I walked up to that. Honest to goodness, you could have saddled that dog and rode it. I mean, it really, honestly, her old head was up at least that high. It's like, hi, doggy, doggy. Um, the dog like can't get a hold of you? Now, I'm not much scared of most dogs that weigh less than 12 pounds, but that thing, that thing was a literally, you know? Somewhere there was a Viking attached to this dog. <laughs> and the Norsemen and their great dogs. I just, I'm telling you, it was bad. Mark chapter 8, look in verse 15. And he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which we've touched on. And here's another one introduced the leaven of who? Herod. Herod. That's interesting. You say, Well, who's Herod in the Bible? Well, when you start studying Herod in the Bible, you'll find out Herod deals with more than one person with the name and title of Herod. Uh, Herod the Great, Herod Antipas, you'll find different ones. Herod was brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, ruler of one fourth of the kingdom. He said, "Why that? Because the Herodians—they're called that. What was it? This family, known as the Herodians, was a political dynasty of the Roman Empire. Their relatives in this family held massive political sway within the Roman Empire, both." At Smaller regional levels and higher levels of the government. That family, can anybody think of American families have been very politically politically uh, uh, powerful at different times? Somebody give me a name of one of the political families. Pardon? Bush? Kennedy's? Carter's? No, that was just Jimmy. Uh, anybody else? Pardon? Yeah, Adams? Right. <laughs> the Adams family, that's beautiful. Um, <laughs> Roosevelt, thank you, back there. And, uh, pardon? Reagan. Reagan, yeah. Now, he was by himself, but he, did he have others? Now, he was the last great president we had. But the, uh, you had with it, but he had dynasties going with him, right? Um, <laughs> then you have the dynasties. That'd be Clinton's. Uh, but, Speaking of similarities, the Herodians were very avaricious. They were very immoral, and that's saying a lot in the Roman Empire because that was kind of the tune of the day. And um, they, within the Herodian family, there was intrigue, assassinations, people marrying each other's spouses from within the family. You ever read about that? John the Baptist, you know, rebuking over that. It's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. I mean, how weird is that? We're talking Rome, you know, not some of our states. And hey, what's going on? And so Jesus says to his disciples, and he's not just throwing something out. He said, beware of the leaven of, the, of Herod. He said, well, what was the leaven of Herod? Um, easy way to think about this, the... When we understand that he said the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of the Sadducees were their doctrine, it's easy to conclude that the leaven of Herod would be doctrine coming in from the political realm. And he told God's people, don't you become so politically oriented, so caught up, that you lose the reason why you're here. Because what we are about goes beyond any nation, any political system, and if God's people will simply behave as God's people, they can flourish and do what they ought to do in any situation. 
Now they may go through troubles, economic troubles, as their country does. They may go through times of uh, persecution and oppression, according to who's in charge and what's going on. But they themselves and the gospel going out could have great power and peace in their lives. But the moment churches become nothing but hotbeds for political rhetoric, at that point they lose the power of God, they lose their focus, and they go directly downhill. I can multiply instances to you right now. I can multiply instances. I can talk to you about a church in Indiana, in Indianapolis, Indiana, that used to run two and 3,000, ran buses all over the city, was reaching people for Christ, supporting missionaries all over, and they started fighting over payroll taxes. They decided that was their great cause. They started fighting over payroll taxes. The fellow who led, read, uh, led the church at that time, I can give you his name, the man, his, he's turned it into that pulpit became a thing for we're taking our stand and every other message or better was talking about the government this and the government that and they lost their focus and it doesn't even exist today. It's gone. Now you look, as Christian people, we got to have sense and you have to take the sand you have to take. And uh, what we have to understand is there is a focus that must be maintained and that's on Christ. It's... Uh, <laughs> May God help us and give us wisdom. I, I, I'm a person that believes as in days come, we're going to need more and more wisdom in those areas. Both how to stand firm and not relinquish what is rightfully ours and not to lose what we're supposed to be as a church. My hope, if you're a person that prays for a preacher, I believe there's a number of you in here who do, I hope you will specifically pray for me to have wisdom to always guide our church in the proper biblical balance of this thing. I'm as tempted as anybody. I'm aggressive, man. You start trampling near my rights, I'll punch you in the nose and ask you why you're there later. It's I, I'm aggressive about stuff. I am, man. I, I'm so right-wing, I don't even like myself sometimes. But listen, I'm going to tell you, God's business is to be about God's business. Say, so, who needs us tonight, preacher? Me. <laughs> I don't know if any of y'all do, but I need to stay right. So remember, I got to preach. I, I preach. I know honoriness is going on. I'll preach directly against it, so I preach against my own every now and then. Beware of the leaven of Herod. I'm not joking about that either, really. I don't mind you laughing, but I'm not joking. Beware of the leaven of Herod. Especially when you're getting inundated with all things. When a small, little, tiny percentage of people are screaming so loud that everybody's running scared of them. Nah. You just stay on track. Stay on track. Let God's hand work. Stay on track. Yeah? Do what's practical. Get a hold of folks. Vote. Take a stand. Uh, use your rights. That's why you keep them is use them. And, uh, and, and do what's right. So beware of what? Beware of what? False prophets? Beware of what? Men? Then beware of three leavens. Leavens of Pharisees, Sadducees, and Herod. Okay? Now, then beware of the scribes, it says in Mark chapter 12. Just jump right over there in your Bible. Mark chapter 12. Beware of the scribes. We get our word scribble from scribe. To inscribe something is to write it. And scribes were people who made their living copying things. And usually when the Bible is talking about scribes, it's talking about those who specifically copied the Word of God. You had no printing presses. You had no way of copying over anything. Every book that was written had to be handwritten. And so the scribes were people who spent their entire lives writing. And in the Bible, when you're encountering the scribes in the Bible, you're encountering people who spent their lives just writing the Bible and writing the Bible. You know, it's one thing to read something, and, and, and people have some have more retentive memories than others, but uh, if you're writing something over and over again, man, you know it pretty well. Wasn't it amazing that when the men came from the East to find where Christ would be born, Herod asked, it's one of the Herods, and said, where's Christ to be born? 
And they said just boom, like at Bethlehem of Judea. Right there. They knew. They knew everything Jesus was doing matched exactly what they'd been writing. I mean, I wonder how many times in life some of those scribes had written Isaiah 53. And then that, that crucifixion comes up. Going on with that? His ministry. And yet the scribes were part of the group that as a group caused Jesus a lot of trouble. You say, well, what is this beware of the scribes? I wrote this down. They constantly handled the Word of God without letting truth get inside of them. Beware! Beware! So I know the Bible preacher. You ready? I'm, look, I don't know who I need to flip it. I'm going to issue a strong challenge. You know the Bible, huh? How's it affecting you? How's it changing you? I don't care if you can quote me 200 verses. If your Bible's not affecting your living, you don't know the Bible. At one point I memorized the book of James. I had a very dull type of job that you didn't even have to have your brain cells come to work with you to do it. And so while I was doing this job, I memorized the book of James. James flows poetically for me. It's just easy to, to get in my... But if I have a book of James, and if I, could, I couldn't start it being quoted all the way through now, I haven't rehearsed it enough to do that, but sections of it are pretty easy, still retained. But if I could go through there, and I could, I could read you about, if any of you lack wisdom, okay, we talk about that. But if I'm not asking God for wisdom, I don't care how well I quote it, I don't know it. Because if I knew it, it would do something. I quote to you, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath, and the wrath of man work not the righteousness of God. But yet if it wasn't teaching me to actually be swift to hear, in other words, shut my mouth, listen to people, slow to speak, slow to wrath, then I can give you the verses, I can get it just precisely. But I don't know it. Just because you read the brownie box doesn't mean you taste the brownies. <laughs> Beware the scribes. What did they do? Boy, they, they could tell you exactly. Anything you started to say, they could finish. Anything you, you, you wanted to teach them, anybody who started to preach or teach in the synagogue, they could tell them what the next verse was where they were going. But they didn't recognize the Son of God when He was right in front of them and they were watching miracles happen. So what is it? What is the beware of handling the Word of God and it not getting inside of us? Look in Luke chapter 12. Dare I follow the steps of Brother Jenkins and say I'm almost done? <laughs> Luke chapter 12. Beware sign here. Here's a big dog that'll bite you. Look in verse 15. And he said unto them... Take heed and beware of what? Covetousness. And then he summarizes why it's a, covetousness is so dangerous. Look at it. May we just hear the words of Jesus on this. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. May I say something to you to help you tonight? There's a lot better way of living than, than you deriving your identity from what you own. A certain brand of clothes, a certain type of phone, a certain type of car, a certain level of housing does not make you more or less of a person. And so learn to get your value from where it should come from. From the fact that you're made in God's image. Christ gave himself to redeem you. And you're the object of his love. And in that security, 
you can not be taken captive and become covetous towards things, and you can actually enjoy what things you have. God designed it that way. Then let's look at another one, Acts chapter 13. Made a big jump there. We're heading towards it. Revelation, eh? Acts 13. There's some beware signs. You're on a path of life. And God has that. Some beware signs along the way so that you don't get ambushed by things you don't see. Acts 13, look at verse 40. Beware, therefore, lest that come upon you which is spoken of in the prophets. And there he was warning the Jewish people who were disregarding the gospel and were, were heading towards trouble because of that. And here's how I put that out in a sentence. Beware of behavior which puts you in the path of judgment. I don't just fear for our country. I fear for our church. When you lightly esteem the house of God, when you lightly esteem the Word of God, when you lightly esteem talking to yourselves, you're on the threshold of judgment. God said, don't put yourself in the pathway of judgment. Just don't do it. Look in Philippians chapter 3. Let's value what God values. Philippians chapter 3. Look at this one. In verse 2. Beware of dogs. <laughs> you know there's going to be aware of dogs, didn't you? Beware of dogs. That's not talking about woof woofs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. And then it goes on with that. And there's a lot of things a lot of teaching I can do on that, but it's, let me just summarize it. Are you ready for just a summary statement? Beware of those who deal in perversions and excesses of the flesh. Just put it down, and there are some particulars about all that. But beware of those who deal in perversions and excesses of the flesh. When God in Romans 1 talks about the judgment that comes on those who get to the final vile part of men with men and women with women, it also warns that those who take pleasure in them, who think it's funny, who think it's cute, who rally to stand up for the rights of that, that they are in, held in the same judgment as those who do it. You can like that or dislike it, but you can't remove it from the Scripture. That's God's record of it. And a long time before people go into very vile things of judgment, they start approving it and excusing it. Let me tell you why in Bible preaching churches, even when it's preached biblically and not done improper as a mocking type thing, but when these, these sins are, are warned against, there's almost, people almost quit breathing. First of all, you're being so indoctrinated with political correctness, you're losing courage. The political correct thinking, woke thinking, whatever you want to call it, is wicked. Second thing is, more and more people have a relative or somebody you know. And all of a sudden, it's not just those people out there, it's somebody you know. And it ought to break your heart. It's not okay. And the prevailing mindset of today is so anti-scriptural. I wouldn't make that choice, but it's okay for them to. No, it's not okay for them to. It's not okay for uh, government officials to endorse it. They're bringing literally hell down on our country. And I'm not cursing. That's the wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that forget God. When you set up public policy endorsing what God condemns, you are going to end up without anything. Man, we, as God's people, we better take it serious and, and be serious about it. And so, those who deal in perversions and excesses of the flesh, may God help us in a wicked time to do right. Then look at Colossians chapter 2. Told you we're just cruising straight through there. Colossians, these are beware signs. Hey, these are God's beware signs, 
In my mind, I didn't make the, any of this up. Colossians chapter 2. Look at this one. The where sign here. It's interesting. Verse 8. Beware. Be aware. Pay attention. Be aware. Lest any man... What's the next word? Spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in Him, in Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You ready for this next verse? This, this, this will help you with that thing I was talking about, your identity. And ye are complete in Him. Isn't that neat? Which is the head of all principality and power. So what's that thing about spoil you? Make you rotten? No. It's the idea, you find it throughout the Bible, when they talk about, I just, we just read about it, about uh, David a day or two ago, and the people returned after them only to spoil. What does that mean? It's called, it's, it, it is what is taken, it's the captives and, the, uh, and, and whatever the loot is that's taken after battle is won. Beware, lest a man spoil you. Take you as someone who's been conquered in battle. Take you captive. Why? Because battle's for your mind. Through philosophy. I stand before you and I, I admit I have a philosophical bent to my mind. There's an intrigue to that. It's a, I have an appetite for that. And yet I have found that God's truth is so superior. It excels all philosophy of the ages. There have been some intelligent people. There's been some people who've hit on to certain things that they, they, they picked up on things that were true things. And there's been some people who were, were, have, have had some very intelligent way of looking at things. But God's way is pure and it's holy and it's right. I'm talking about God's way, not not a man's I'm talking about God's way. It, 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 it's it's so superior in its simplicity, in its majesty, in in its integrity. Beware, philosophy intimidate you. Oh, you believe that? If we had a little voice behind us sometimes that just says, "Believe the Bible." Share the Bible. Love the Bible. Don't be intimidated by everything that comes down. Get back to a simple love for the Word of God. That's a beware sign. And then the last one tonight. Look in 2 Peter chapter 3. Isn't that amazing? Do you know the word that means beware signs in the Bible? Did you? Did you ever notice the word beware before? There's a lot of it. So now you're aware that there's bewares. Well, let's pay attention to it. 2 Peter chapter 3. And look at the affection of this verse and then the beware sign because God doesn't want you hurt. Verse 17. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware, lest ye, the beloved, those who know some things about the Bible, Lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from what? Your own steadfastness. What is this beware? Beware of the error of the wicked. They're, they're off on stuff. They, they, they don't hold a respect and a reverence for the Word of God. So therefore, they end up mangling the Word of God. They end up trying to, uh, you know, uh, they're more fascinated with the so-called lost books of the Bible than they are the Bible itself. And follow all this nonsense stuff that's out there and get into it and, and 